It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Wenigle and I'm joined today by my co-host Michael Steindl. G'day Kay. With the lack of action on climate change from our federal government and the threat of US President Trump repealing ex-President Obama's climate initiatives... The realisation amongst the climate movement is that the community-based efforts are becoming increasingly important in leading the charge. We recently talked to Alison Crooks from Manova Energy and found out what it took to get their community renewable energy project going in New South Wales. Today we're going to be talking to Nikki Eisen about the support that's being offered to community groups wishing to navigate the complex process. Nikki holds a double degree in environmental engineering and arts in environmental studies and has spent more than a decade working in the community climate sector. Nikki is the co-founder of Community Power Agency, and that is also growing a vibrant community energy sector in Australia. And she's also the founder of the New Coalition for Community Energy, which works to address the barriers to the development of a wider Australian community energy sector. So Nikki, welcome, and tell us a little bit more about the Community Renewable Energy Projects. Uh, Sure. So there are now about 80 community energy groups across Australia and we've got about 50 operating community energy projects uh, around Australia. This is a testament to the amazing hard work of volunteers across Australia. That's amazing to have 80 groups, isn't it? Absolutely. When I I did my honours thesis on community energy back in 2009 and I found and met with three groups. There was one in New South Wales... And there were two that I knew of in Victoria. Mm, wow, that's yeah. Very eight years later, there's eighty groups, and um, at that point in 2009, there weren't any operating community energy projects, and now there's more than fifty. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Yes, it certainly is. So, when you talk about these um, these groups and um, and the number of them, can you tell me what sort of community renewable energy projects that that encompasses? Yeah, sure. So um, the way we define uh, community energy, which we we developed the definition when we wrote the National Community Energy Strategy two and a half years ago, and we talk about communities coming together to develop, deliver and benefit from clean energy. So that's quite a high-level definition, and the reason for that is communities are doing such varied things. From Anna, who you met with uh, a couple of weeks ago, who has, developed, who has developed the first community-owned retailer, to Hepburn Wind, that is Australia's first community-owned wind farm, uh, to Carina, that does donation-based projects on community buildings, uh, to the myriad of solar and now energy storage bulk buys that community groups are leading across the country. So those are the sort of variations of different types of energy projects that we're seeing communities take a lead on across the country. 
So that's quite a range of projects and I assume quite a range in terms of capital investment. Absolutely. And so we kind of distinguish between investment-based projects where community members put in an investment and expect and and receive a return on their investment and donation-based projects where the community puts in money because the the assets that they're doing solar or energy efficiency for uh, benefits the wider community. So it might be a childcare centre, a disability support, Organisation Karina put uh, put solar on the roof, for example, of a, a disability writing school in the ACT. You know, these okay. are the types of community institutions that the broader community is trying to support with through renewable energy, helping reduce their power bill, and thus being better able to serve their community. It's a win-win-win. Mm. Mm. Sounds great, Nikki Michael here. Um, what do you see as the major barriers to community energy? So the thing about community energy is. Uh, while it's extremely exciting and empowering and there's so much passion around the country, uh, it's hard. Our energy system was set up for really large coal-fired power stations built at large distances to population centres uh, and passive energy consumers. Our energy system, both the physical infrastructure and the rules of the game, weren't set up for hundreds of local energy initiatives uh, pioneered by communities and being more democratically owned. So we talk about not one barrier, but a myriad of small barriers. It's sort of like death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. And so everywhere you look, there's another barrier. And so what communities have done is gone, okay, well, we can't do it that way. We can't do it this way. You know, it's really difficult to build another big community wind farm. It's really difficult to build a large community solar project. We're going to go small to start off with, and we're going to learn how to do it. Uh, We're going to find models that work within the current regulatory framework, but we're also going to try and work to change those regulatory frameworks so what we can do as a community can expand and grow. Mm. So. Sorry. Yeah, that's sort of the, the philosophy most community energy groups have taken. Um, when they first get involved, they're like, okay, we're going to take our whole community and power it all by 100% renewables. And we go, great, excellent. Put that as your five to 10 year goal and start off with your first donation project to get some runs on the board. And people go, oh, really? Oh, damn. And then, yes. they, go, <laughs> and then they go, okay, all right, we're up for the challenge. Yep. I, d- I do remember Alison just last week saying I think they spent, spent the first 18 months just complying with um, the training, the regulations and stuff. You're right. Absolutely. So you, you obviously have a number of examples you can talk about. Tell us about some of the community energy projects that you've been working on and give us an idea of what they've involved. So the first thing to say is that my organisation, Community Power Agency, we don't deliver projects. Um, mm-hmm. We support groups who set up to deliver projects. So... Um, sometimes it's uh, groups like uh, Repower Geelong who come to us and say, all right, we've got some... We've been working and talking about community energy for 18 months now. We've just got a little piece of money from the state government. We know there's a bunch of models out there. Can you come and train us in how those models work so we can better understand what the options are for our community and what's going to fit best? And how are you funded for that bit? Yeah, so we've got a little bit of funding for that. Yeah, it's a tiny bit. We're, we're a not-for-profit, so we, we work um, at, at really affordable rates. Mm-hmm. Um, or alternatively, a few years ago, um, I went, okay, there's not really a community energy group in Sydney. That's a really big gap. 
So myself and a volunteer, we organised uh, uh, an event in the Redfern Town Hall. There are about 130 people there. And then we held a workshop a few days later and about 40 people came. And out of that emerged the community energy group Pingala. And then last year, they uh, installed their first community solar project on the Young Henry's Brewery. It's a brewery in Sydney. uh, And so now if you buy Young Henry's, you're drinking community solar-powered beer. That's really good to know, isn't it? So not only can you enjoy drinking, but knowing (laughs) it comes from the right source. Oh, and maybe one more fact about the Pingala Young Henry's project is that there was so much enthusiasm for it that the shares in the project, so people investing in the project, they sold out in nine minutes. They, they basically had a lottery. People put their names in a hat uh, and, uh, and their names got filled out and you know, only maybe a quarter of the people who put their names in were able to, to get shares. And was that so because the beer was that good? <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good beer. I'm not a beer drinker, but I like Young Henry's beer. So, so just to complete that story, um, is are the people paying for the solar power or the solar kit that generates the power for that brewery, and and that's the buyback option, if you like? The brewery is committed to taking that power, or how does it work? Yeah, so there's a few different ways it can work. The, the majority of community solar projects we're seeing at the moment, and the majority is community energy projects we're seeing are community solar projects, um, are on the roof of uh, host sites like a brewery, like a bowling club, like a dairy farm. And there's a few different ways that you can do it. Um, Lismore Community Solar, they've provided a loan. So the community provides the finance and Lismore Council is paying back just a a standard loan agreement, but instead of from the bank, it's from the community. Mm -hmm. The second um, model was the first one, was uh, what we call a power purchase agreement. And Repower Shoalhaven really pioneered this. And they, that means that, uh, yes, the host site, like the Shoalhaven Heads Bowling Club, commits to purchase the power from the solar panels uh, at a, a, a fixed rate over the period of the project, which I think is 10 years. Um, and then after that 10 years, the kit is gifted to the, the, um, the bowling club and they get free power for another 15 years. So, yeah, it's a mm. pretty good deal. The way that um, Pingala did it, actually, is that they uh, lease the kit. That Pingala owns the kit, the solar panels, and then they lease it to the brewery. So it's not tied to the amount of solar, uh, electricity that is generated. But basically, they're just three different financial instruments. One of the things that I've found in developing community energy, I, I, I'm an engineer by background, so I've got a technical background, and, and I also you know, have done a lot of advocacy, and so I do a lot of policy work in um, supporting the change uh, in our regulatory system. But what I've found is that community energy is a lot about finance, so I've actually have to had to get my head around different mm. legal instruments and different financing instruments. It's been a very big learning curve. Yeah, I can imagine. And so, Nikki... When you are involved in these projects, you have to put people in touch with those different options and different organisations in terms of finance and project management and writing a business plan. Is that the sort of level of involvement that you have? Yeah, so we've uh, written a couple of business plans for people. We do training. Uh, We uh, have developed resources, both uh, community power agency as but we also work in partnership a lot with a few other organisations. Um, there are about four or five organisations that are really playing a sort of sector support role 
um, or a community energy group support role, and we collaborate with all of them very regularly. Mm-hmm. So, if I started my own, wanted to start my own project, I could come to you and say, "Where do I start? How do I do it? What do I need?" Exactly. And so, um, one of the things that we do is, like with Pangala, um, when community groups or, or say, "Oh, we're we're just starting out. How do we do it?" We say, "Well, why don't you put on a public event and we can come and speak at it? And if you can raise a little bit of money, maybe through selling a few tickets." Um, we can come and do a half-day inception workshop. So that gets you thinking about what's your vision, what are you trying to achieve. It gives you some basic download on how the energy system works and what some of the models are, and then we help you identify some of those next steps, those first steps to get a project off the ground, and we put you in touch with um, some people who can help with more specific things. So if you're interested in the donation project, we can put you in touch with a couple of the groups who've done donation projects, for example. Um, uh, so that's one of the things that we do. We also provide some mentoring. So um, I'm doing some mentoring for one of the groups at the moment and we have a, a phone call about once a month and he goes, all right, here's all of the things that I'm having an issue with and we try and work through them. Uh, yeah, so those are the... Well, that, that's a great thing support. because as the whole project evolves, I can imagine that different resources are going to be required and different obstacles come up and how do you deal with those things? Exactly. The real learning by doing process. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it, because while there's some standard models, every community is slightly different, and every host site is slightly different. And the way you negotiate with your host site, with a potential host site, will be different based on what their interests are and and what you're trying to do. So, so one of the things that you need to get a community energy group off the ground is some bravery to just go out there and give yeah. it a go. I can imagine that, <laughs> but you know. I would feel a lot more confident knowing these organisations like yours around that can point me in the right direction and can get me out of trouble. When Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah I definitely. There, there's plenty of people who've now done it, been there, and, and can provide some support and assistance. Um, you know, and it's a real community yes. uh, in the community energy sector. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So, Nikki, you've visited community energy projects overseas as well as here. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand in Denmark and in Germany they've had a significant impact. Can, do you can you tell us a little bit more about that and what the sure. success factors are over there and the challenges? So let's start with Denmark because what actually happened is that in Denmark in the late seventies they had they're experiencing like everyone around the world oil price shocks, um, and at the same time there was fairly strong anti-nuclear sentiment and so they in Denmark have these what they're called Fokkerschulers they're folk schools, they're sort of trade schools in the communities and regions that teach people really practical skills and out of those folk schools came the idea, well actually we've got a lot of wind here why don't we try and harness the power of the wind and so one of those folk schools actually built the first modern wind turbine, it's a three bladed turbine uh, last heard it was still operating uh, over 35 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was having a couple of troubles. But literally 800 people built the first modern wind turbine. Um, they poured the concrete. They put the reinforced steel in. They shaped the, the blades, uh, the, the, the roaches that turn around. Mm-hmm. And then it was relatively small. And what they did was go, all right, well, let's try and site a couple of wind turbines or one wind turbine at the edge of town, but near on three people's, the, the cusp of three people's different blocks of land. So all of those three farmers 
can benefit from uh, the money generated by generating this power. Um, let's start small and then we'll build them and as we learn how to design these turbines. So um, the, there's actually a museum in uh, northwest uh, Denmark that shows the history of uh, wind turbine design um, and the role that these folk schools and all, every ordinary, everyday ordinary people played in designing what has now become a multi-billion dollar global industry. I love the fact that it's history already. That <laughs> exactly. It, it, you know, wind turbines are a proven technology. They're working there, well, almost they're equal now in terms of cost with solar, but they have been for the last few years the cheapest new build technology. And they started with communities in, in Denmark. And so, you know, the whole renewable energy sector has such a strong community energy heritage. Um, in Germany, uh, they started getting interested in community energy in the 90s. Uh, and solar was really a big focus. Um, bioenergy became a, a, an even bigger focus. So there's lots of farmer bioenergy cooperatives using uh, agricultural waste and anaerobic digestion, which I think is some of the best uh, and most sustainable form of bioenergy because they're not cutting down trees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they've also got a number of community-owned wind farms. Um, the stats say that back in 2012, about 47% of all renewable energy capacity in Germany was owned by households, by farmers, and by uh, community energy cooperatives and, and groups. That's amazing, uh, so, isn't it? So, you know, it was a really strong and big part of uh, growing what is now an affordable and cheap uh, technological industry. You're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions Climate Solutions Show and we're talking with Nikki Eisen from Community Power Agency about starting community renewable energy projects. It's broadcasting from 3CR in Melbourne and syndicated on the Community Radio Network throughout Australia. Nikki, the side benefits of community energy projects, can you just briefly go into those? Yeah, so I said um, one of the models is a win-win-win. We talk about community energy as a win-win-win-win-win. It's a five wins. That's many wins. Yeah, many, many wins. So obviously it's good for the environment because we're decarbonising our energy system, but it goes beyond that because people start to uh, identify with clean energy technology and start to um, have more avenues to enact their environmental values. Um, a story I tell is um, I, I visited this community energy group in uh, the Isle of Egg off the coast of Scotland. You know the Harry Potter bridge? Yep. The, the, um, I had to catch the train over the Harry Potter bridge <laughs> to get to the Isle of Egg. It was a very beautiful <laughs> part of the world. Anyway, one of the key people involved in this community energy project was uh, a farmer and a butcher and didn't have a green bone in her body. And she said, well, after being involved in this community energy initiative, for two years that she was doing because it was giving back to her community, she'd learned some skills and now she was much more environmentally aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in, that's good environmentally. Um, it's good economically. So the research shows that if you have a community ownership component of a larger-scale renewables project, like a large wind farm or solar farm, the local benefits, the local economic benefits increase between two and five-fold. So it's actually about keeping money circulating in our region. Mm-hmm. The, the third benefit that we see in community energy is, is about resilience. It's about social connection and creating a can-do attitude. So communities taking control and the power back, quite literally. 
Yep. Um, so a bunch of social benefits there. And then perhaps for me the most important benefit is the political benefits because community energy projects demonstrate to our political leaders that not only is there appetite in the voting booth for transitioning to clean energy, but people are willing to put their time and money into making this energy transition happen and basically show them up, show them what which is, which is so vital like. at, the, at this time yes. where we have that lack of leadership, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It shows what can be done and what the community wants. So, so fl- going on and doing with it, and our political leaders need to get on board with that. Flowing straight out of that then, um, we're curious about how the community energy fits in with an overall strategy for low-carbon energy. If you had unlimited resources and institutional support to design a, a transition to zero-carbon energy, what, what part would community energy play? It, well, I would say it plays three main parts. Um, I think in the, the transition to clean energy, we um, we need all hands on deck. We need so many different people playing a role. We need large renewable energy developers. We need small business. We need big business. We need all households. We need state governments, local mm-hmm. governments, federal governments. The community, I think, plays three vital roles. The first one is... I think that uh, communities owning parts of larger-scale renewables projects is a really key model, in part because it helps democratise our energy system, but in part because it increases the social licence for large-scale renewables. Mm -hmm. And social licence, as we've seen in Victoria, has been a really big challenge. It was uh, a, a very strong... Very small but very strong anti-wind movement that basically killed the wind industry for three years under the Nazi government. Yeah, the, the, we can't afford to have that happen again. Uh, climate change, you know, in the midst of a big heat wave across yep. the um, eastern seaboard, shows that we just can't afford that to happen. So, yep. community energy groups partnering with large-scale developers uh, in with these types of projects—that's a really critical role. At the other end of the spectrum, I think that community energy groups can play a really important role in tr- working uh, with social welfare organisations uh, and other social purpose organisations to ensure that low-income households, renters and apartment dwellers can access the benefits of clean energy mm-hmm. because they're the lockout energy users. They're the people... Because yep. if I want to manage rising power bills, energy efficiency, solar and, and increasingly storage are the best options available to me. But as I rent, and I can't put that in my own house, my landlord literally won't let me. So we've got to find new models, community models, that ensure that everyone who wants to participate and benefit can. Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of community energy groups looking at how you can do that. And then I would say there's a really big middle piece, which is like basically we have two business models that work in Australia at the moment. You can put solar on a roof and offset your retail price, or you can build really, really big renewables. And then there's sort of four or five orders of magnitude in between where nothing really works, but that's the ideal space for community energy. It's the two-megawatt solar farm at the edge of town. It's the five-megawatt community bioenergy plant that, that has is co-owned by a, a group of farmers. It's uh, you know, a small wind turbine just on a ridge where there's also some trees around. These are the types of projects that um, integrate better into the community um, that ensure that uh, our energy system is more resilient because power is provided more locally, mm. but it's also more efficient because 
it's shared. Yep. Okay. So, Nikki, we've um, we've only got about three minutes left and three more sure. questions. <laughs> Uh, just quickly, Nikki, I was gonna, you just said before that 45% of um, the, the renewable power or wind power was generated in Germany was community-owned. Oh, I said citizen, farmer and community-owned. So citizen, farmer of, and community-owned, sort of, yep. Uh, yeah, so do you think democratic. We, yeah. Do, do you think we could get to that level here? I certainly think if we saw, saw a proliferation of these community developer partnership models and if we made those mid-scale renewables projects much easier, that we could get much higher percentages. I'm, I'm thinking you're probably closer to 15 or 20% rather than 45%, but you know, a significant proportion of our energy system could be powered through more democratically owned renewable energy projects. One of your key initiatives has been the development of the National Community Energy Strategy, the NCES. Can you tell us what the priority... I know there were a lot. So the main priority initiatives that you identified in that strategy were? And and Uh, leave time to talk about the Community Energy Congress too. Yeah, maybe I'll just say, look, we developed it out of the last Community Energy Congress. There are about 32 initiatives in there. Um, They fit into the categories of, of making replicable business models of unlocking finance and funding, uh, of building the capacity, of telling the story and of getting the policy and regulatory reform. For me, I think the, that actually the two that are really critical are the policy and regulatory reform and finding those replicable business models. So it's ma- because both of those are about making it easier for community energy groups and speeding up the transition to clean energy. You've got Wiki on your website so that that can give you information about resources that are available for people that start. Yeah, so, so the Embark Wiki, um, which has soon to become the Coalition for Community Energy Wiki, um, is an amazing repository of hundreds of resources uh, available to community energy groups. That's and it. the Community Energy Congress is coming up at the end of February, I understand. Yes, so we're really excited about the Community Energy Congress. We're going to bring together more than 550 uh, people from across Australia to talk about how we strengthen this emerging community energy sector. Uh, we've got trainings in business models. We've got stories of success from people who've done it. We're bringing out four international keynote speakers, Soren Hermanson from the first 100% power, renewable-powered island in the world, Sansel in, in Denmark. We've got Obama's community energy advisor, um, and Obama was a really big champion for community solar because he saw it as an energy justice strategy. Uh, and we're bringing out two First Nations leaders from Canada to talk about how Aboriginal communities can take a leadership role uh, in renewable energy and how that's empowering Aboriginal communities. And we're actually as well bringing out our bringing together about 12 Aboriginal leaders from nations across Australia. So we're really excited. Um, we're, we've got a lot of people registered, but there's still more space. So if you want to be involved in uh, developing community energy or you're already doing it, get along to the Community Energy Congress on the 27th and 28th of February. It's at Melbourne Town Hall. Uh, Google the Community Energy Congress and it'll come up. Uh, okay, and that's, that's fantastic. Way to Thank you so much for your time today, Nikki. And you've you've told everybody where to find out more information. We've been talking to Nikki Eisen from Community Power Agency about how community groups can organise renewable energy projects. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pumped hydro. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational.